Namaste. So we see that uh, yesterday we had a little background and introduction. We are following the scheme as it is given in the book, The Synthesis of Yoga. And then we see that there are these three parts, works, knowledge and love. And then the penalty, penultimate part is about the divine perfection, integral divine perfection. So it's very interesting to see the sequence that first part is yoga of divine works, then the yoga of integral knowledge and finally as the crown, the yoga of divine love. And if you look at the three in a sequence, though it can start anywhere, but normally we start because work is something we are all the time engaged in. So the most natural start of yoga is through works. And uh, in the ashram context, when people would ask the mother that uh, we want some mantra and mother would say, I give work and not uh, mantras. Mantras will spring up inside. So as we continue to work for the divine, spontaneously knowledge springs up from within. So we have to understand it's a synthesis. They actually go together. Though Shirobindo has, uh, for the sake of our convenience, put it like yoga or divine works, integral knowledge and divine love. But as we proceed on the path of works, we begin to know that so uh, what these works are, they are not an online training, but an on-job training. As we work for the divine, the knowledge of the divine and an integral knowledge, because it's not just knowledge of the divine in a sense, but in the details of the manifestation, it begins to spring up from within. And when we begin to know the divine and we serve the divine, then love comes as the crowning movement. So if love and bhakti has awakened in the heart, that means one has really travelled a really long distance, normally with the emergence of the psychic being, that uh, love in the true sense is really born in the human heart. So today we just touch upon the divine works. The principle here is, Yoga is a plunge within and a new birth, new birth into a new consciousness. So that's why in ancient times uh, when people went for the initiation of yoga, after the initiation they were called dvij, twice born. And in ancient ceremonies in the western context it used to be baptism. Baptism literally means that, that now you belong to Christ. So here it was like dvij, now you have taken a new birth. So you have taken a new birth into a new consciousness, a door opens. So how do we start while we are engaged in everyday life? So the dynamics of it is this, that normally our being is tied to the surfaces through the Indriyas which are constantly, they are drawing our attention, our consciousness onto the surface things. And then through the ego self and the desire self. So these are the knots which completely tie up. The mind also ties it but mind ties primarily through the ego sense. So this knot, as long as this knot is tied or ties us to the surface, unless we open this knot, we cannot really go within and find the divine. So the idea is that it's not about half an hour or one hour meditation or even two hours meditation. If this knot remains tight, then it's very difficult. We may sit for an hour, two hours, but nothing much will really happen. So yoga of divine works is the first natural entry and we have to start opening the knot. So it's a very interesting thing. How do we open the knot? The first knot that we have to open is the renunciation of the fruits of work. So that is what is called as Nishkam Karma. So all the time we are working with something or the other in mind. We are making a program, it should be a success. I should, you know, have a power, position, name, fame, money. All this, uh, this is how our normal operating system is. So we have to completely renounce that aspect. 
So the question arises, if these desires and ambitions are not there, then why do we work at all? Well, work carries within itself its own joy. Work is also done as a joy of knowing things. But here we have to do the work as a service to the divine. So what are the works which are service of the divine? Are there some special works like religious ceremonies, rituals or you know in some special place when we do some work? Is that a work for the divine or any work can become work of the divine? Well, any work which is done in a state of inner consecration becomes a work for the divine. So once we understand this principle, then we have to dethrone. The motive must shift. The first thing that must shift is the motive and dethroning of the ego. These are the two things which are important. So when we shift the motive from the desire for results or satisfying our ambition or we want to become rich or for name, fame and various other objectives. So the reward may not be always uh, gross. Many people, you know, they don't work for money, but the reward can be subtle. Sometimes the reward is to, you know, uh, be a person who is a big philanthropist. You know, sometimes philanthropist, you will see in ancient times, not ancient times, even now we don't have that tendency, but old time temples. You will often see that uh, there are a lot of stones put on the temple with somebody's name. And the paradox is, I won't take the name, but name of a very rich uh, business family. Uh, you will go to some temples, they are not known by the name of the deity. They are known by the name of the person who has donated the temple. I can speak very openly. It doesn't matter. We can take the name. Uh, because when this man was asked, you know, somebody proposed money for the ashram, he hesitated because he wants his name. So, uh, you know, you will go to different places and you will hear about Birla Mandir. You won't hear that it is Sri Rama's Mandir. So, because why? Because it is he who has made it. So, this is, this doesn't, it's a Rajasic kind of engagement with the divine. It doesn't bear the full fruits of the divine consciousness. Whereas when we just sweep the temple floors or the floors of the house with this idea that divine is going to come and sit here, then it becomes really a seva and becomes part of the divine works. Otherwise, even when we are doing sweeping the temple floors, giving money, making our, you know, putting our names, then it's, it doesn't go into the share of divine works. It goes into the pool of sattva rajo tamoguni Prakriti activity within the realm of nature and it brings its own fruits. So I may give all the money to some seemingly godlike work but all the time with my name in the forefront then at the end of it it will bring me rewards of Rajogun which is Sukha and Dukha because it is the state of consciousness in which we have done it. So motive must shift completely. The second is normally all works are done with the idea of ego is at the center point. So ego is I am the doer. So the moment, you know, you hear, I think the other day, this <laughs> this was going on. Uh, I mean, it was a little joke. Someone was saying, you know, uh, he does so much work for God. So I said, yeah, leaving no room for God to work. So, <laughs> because he's doing all the work, God is not required. So the first thing we have to understand is that we are not the doer. If we really look at it, it's so logical. See, Divine works is one of the most logically presented um, thesis. So, Nishkam Karma, don't work with the idea of I on the result. Logically, in any case, we don't control the result. So, when we focus on the result, actually, even our work suffers. 
I have known, you know, very good cricketers and they used to have this performance anxiety. And I would tell them, why are you doing it with this idea that you'll get a century and all your energy is going in that direction. Just have the joy of playing as you would do earlier. So the first thing is to remove this element of sting of desire for the fruits. And the second element is uh, do it as a consecration and a sacrifice to the divine. Best is to do it as a worship of the divine. So what is this worship? The concept of worship, puja is normally done in a certain ritualistic way. But in Ramayana, there is such a wonderful example of Sabri cleaning her own house. It's her house. She is supposed to keep it clean. But look at the attitude with which Sabri does it. And that's what immortalizes her. Sabri does it every day with the idea that one day her Lord Rama is going to come. And because she does it in this way, Sabri's bhakti becomes immortalized. Whereas somebody else may clean a temple floor and every day feel very proud that, you know, morning 3 o'clock I wake up and 4 o'clock I go and uh, clean the courtyards of, uh, you know, the temple. Now, that's where we have to dethrone ego. And ego is such a chalna. Literally, it has a thousand ways of deceiving itself. Or rather, it has, we have a thousand ways through which we get deceived by the ego self. So constantly this knowledge, we have to remind ourselves that all that is being done, is being done as an offering to the divine. Which means at the start of the work, practically, we make an offering. Shobindu uses the word consecration, one of the most marvelous chapter. And what is the essence of consecration is that now it starts with I am doing the work for myself, but I am offering it to the divine. It ends up by I am doing the work entirely for the divine. So, it means that throughout our work, there will be a kind of continuity of concentration on the eternal. There is no yoga without concentration on the eternal. So, there is this state, it starts with the remembrance of the divine when we wake up in the morning, in all our activities. We have to remember and offer, remember and offer. This is the mantra. But how do I choose the, okay, I'll remember and offer. But what determines what activities I'll do? So, there are two stages of that. The first stage is, that whatever activity comes to me, I do it without preference, to, to choose without preference and execute without desire. So this is the first training ground of Karma Yoga, where regardless of whatever activity, I may not like it, as the mother puts it very beautifully, that uh, do not do anything for the sake of pleasure, but take pleasure in all you do. So this is the initial training ground. When we have gone past this training ground, then there is another kind of, you know, sabhavaniyata karma. Then spontaneously from within, there is a kind of direction, a kind of action which develops within us. That's how Sri uses it in the synthesis of yoga, that action develops within the person. So we will know it by the joy, by the inner urge, by the spontaneous inner impulsion, by the kind of inspiration we receive for the work, that this is the work which is meant for us. The divine has given this work and he will also be the doer. So what do we have to uh, become? We have to become faithful Mirrors, flawless channels for him to pour through the, through the being. Through hands, feet, mouth, eyes, everything. So this is the whole principle of divine works. Then the second aspect which is important along with cutting the knot of the ego. Now see knot of the ego, one of the biggest problem, the place where the ego is tied is in the head. So in the mind we have certain ideas, opinions based on that we work. So this opinion and ideas that this is how things should happen has to really be, uh, you know, dismantled. This is one of the biggest, we live surrounded by, we have created a mental structure, the ego self. And we live according to that. All of us have certain principles. And these principles are very good. Shobindo says up to a certain point. 
But when we go into the divine works, then even these have to go. That's that's the dilemma of Arjuna. He has lived by certain high principles of the race. How can I kill my own people? Though I am a Kshatriya, but does it mean that I'll go to the extent of killing my own people? They are they are the people for whom I am supposed to earn my livelihood. So these are the dilemmas which a divine worker faces. The seeker after knowledge and the bhakta of the traditional kind may not have these dilemmas. But for divine works, these dilemmas will come because it's a question of action. So inwardly, one may live in that vast consciousness that all is the divine. But the moment there is action, there is a choice involved. All is a divine doesn't mean everything, whatever is a mixture. So divine works is one of the most... Uh, uh, natural entries and if one can go through this rightly then all the rest follows very easily Shravinder in fact goes on to say that initially it looks like a uh, road in which there are a lot of difficulties because you are actually going through life uh, in divine works you have to go through life the Kurushetra is there the Gyan Yogi will sit down and concentrate and say all is Brahman and you know he, he wakes up one day and says I am the enlightened one and then he says, um, he said, I am egoless free and then swore because his dinner was not ready. So, uh, it's a poem of Shirvindo with his characteristic sense of humor. And then he says, I asked him, are you so very sure? He said, it's not me, it's the belly God that is hungry. <laughs> so, you know, but in divine works, we can't do that, we have to choose. So, that's why it's the most naturally, natural, most powerful and most engaging discovery because it's throughout the day. Sleep, waking, small little activities, going to the washroom, coming out. Even Shurabindu says, even your uh, getting and having and receiving and eliminating even acts which are purely mechanical in nature. So the toothbrush, um, you know, even eliminating things from the body, everything must be done in the state of consecration. It's amazing to actually practice it even for a day. And he goes on to the extent that when we do the works, then normally we are engaged with people, the world and everyone. Uh, there is a giving and receiving involved in the whole world. So he says very beautifully, whoever be the re recipient and whoever the giver, you have to live with this one liberating knowledge that it is the divine. So when something is given to someone, it is not given to that person. You know, this is a slight tweaking of that. Oh, I am giving to this person and people, you know, remember it. You remember? Uh, I gave you this. Uh, how, are you, how are you finding it? Is it good? <laughs> uh, you have a dress. How long will it last? So after some time, you know. But this is how this... Uh, or anything, everything has a term. So we have to give to the divine in the person. And regardless of the gift, it may be the smallest of gifts, it may be the biggest of gifts, that's not important. Um, in giving, Shobindo, that story of the mother, uh, that we are half an apple of a lady who had only half an apple and she gave to Shiva. So she said, um, mother says that she had only half an apple left. And this giving is a complete giving because, you know, that was the only thing she had and she gave it. So the giving is not measured in terms of the amount. It has its value, amount has its value in real life. But the giving is measured in terms of the quality. Whether there is a totality of giving or there is uh, ten anas to God, Sherbindo writes, uh, you know, in one of his letters to Milani Devi, that so far I have given two anas to God and kept 14 anas to myself. So we know... For some of us who may not be aware, one rupee those days was 16 anas and four paises. So 16 anas, he says, 
I have kept 14 annas with myself and two annas I have given to God and I feel like a thief. Now, of course, um, this is Shurabindra's divine humility. But everything, the whole goal of Karma Yoga is that all my actions. And similarly, when something comes to us, you know, in India there is a tradition, somebody is there in every marriage function to uh, note down who gave you how much. So, why? Because you have to keep, even keep the envelope so that you return back 500 rupees. So, this is such an ignorance. All comes from the divine and our only obligation in life is to serve the divine. It may sound very strange, but yoga is strange. Yoga is not the usual normal practice of life. So when we receive everything as coming from the divine and we give everything going to the divine. Now it doesn't mean receiving everything indiscriminately. But whatever we receive, we receive it as coming from the divine. And whatever we go into the world, it again doesn't mean giving indiscriminately. That he will, you know, in the three modes of nature, Shurabindu describes that. And of course, from the Gita. But whatever is being given, is being given to the divine presence in the person. Then one is liberated. There is a very beautiful story of Sri Ramakrishna. When somebody got a very expensive shawl and gave it to him. And he could read the thought of the person that, you know, he is thinking, oh, uh, he will look nice. And oh, the shawl is looking nice. So, Sri Ramakrishna had wrapped around his, uh, you know, body and suddenly he took it and threw it on the ground, trampled and started dancing. So, this man says, sir, sir, this is quite expensive. He says, see, see, I told you, no, you don't know how to give. (laughs) So, (laughs) it was his way of teaching that when you have given, forget about it. It's no more yours. So when we have given to the divine anything and it can go to any extent. Lord, take my destiny, take my being. Take my character, the most, the greatest surrender is surrender of our way of being. But instead we say, Ham to Divine, you can change the whole world, but I am not going to change because it's natural to me. But yoga is not natural. It's about changing natural into supernatural. So we surrender that this is what I am. Uh, a bundle of whatever mistakes or errors. Don't ex- over-exaggerate. Huh? So, uh, <laughs> a, a mixed bag. Okay, we are all a mixed bag. And you can transmute everything. So, the good, the bad, everything. Because even our good is still our own good. We don't know what is higher than that. Uh, many vices, many things which we call as uh, even uh, tendencies which are sinful carry within them a seed of something beautiful. And there are things which we call as good. Often they are maimed, virtues are maimed, reflections, broken reflections of a much greater truth. So all of this has to be upgraded by the divine touch. So this is the uh, ancient uh, formula of um, uh, what is that called in demonetization we had practiced, uh, exchange. You give the old currency, you get the new currency back. So by giving, we start receiving the new consciousness. That's the new birth. We give the old consciousness, the old way and slowly the consciousness begins to change. Then the third practice which is very important along with dethroning the ego, the sense that I am the doer, I am the giver, I am the one who is receiving, so and so is giving me all this jal of, jal and janjal of ignorance as to, 
you know completely be demolished um so then the ne- uh, most important aspect is uh, equanimity so this practice shobindo emphasizes and in the integral yoga again em- equanimity is emphasized a lot why because in again in gyana yoga we, we need not be practice equanimity because gyana yoga is about going within and discovering the divine presence or the you know illimitable the vast the impersonal the universal uh as far as works are concerned we can do it in the state of satguna and do good deeds that's what many of of the people teach nowadays that in terms of action in the world you do some good deed philanthropic deeds or religious actions but uh, shobindo takes us much further than that and uh, the other aspect again bhakta doesn't need to have equanimity he is in ecstasy with the divine lord but the moment we act upon the world we need equanimity equanimity is the Uh, hub through which action will flow to the world and it will come back to us so if we don't have an equanimity we'll be troubled and disturbed by the slightest touch as shobindo says even practically speaking in this world um, leave aside yoga equanimity is a very good principle it gives us peace it gives us a joy so equanimity can mean many things in the beginning it's a very imperfect practice for instance many people think indifference is equanimity well it's a step it's not the real thing many times we can confuse hardness for equanimity hardness is nothing to do with equanimity but it gives a semblance at least if a person is trying to practice it it's okay then philosophical um you know attitude can look like equanimity that you know this world is after all what is there to weep about it now this is uh, a preparation for equanimity religious resignation can look like equanimity stoic detachment where you face the world with uh, you know a courage and endurance all these are not equanimity but they are necessary steps on the path so what is equanimity the seat of equanimity is the soul the soul is equal in all happenings not only equal it draws the delight of the entire thing and why is it equal because that beautiful poem of shorbindo divine worker those who want to really karma yoga in the entire essence so how does it end it closes so beautifully no power can slay my soul it lives in thee thy presence is my immortality the soul that is constantly turned towards the divine in contact with the divine stays in a state of equanimity because nothing else matters to it except the divine joy as mother puts it in very practical ways do not try to please your uh, do not try to please others people like it very much oh wonderful yes i will not please this person that person but next line is do not try to please yourself <laughs> so whom should we try to please please the lord so when we do that then slowly that's what shri krishna tells to arjuna in the gita man mana bhav mad bhakta madhya ji ma namaskaro the battlefield is there but stay turned and tuned towards me and when we live life like that then equanimity becomes our nature it's because it springs from the depth of the soul when mother was asked what is the sign that the soul has emerged in the play she she used one word Uh, one sentence a smile under all circumstances only the soul can give that kind of response so the process of karma yoga should lead to the uncovering and unmasking of the soul so how do we unmask the psychic being once we have cut the knot of you know all the time running after the steeds of the senses as the beautiful image we have in the gita the five horses are driving then 
they these steeds must be held back by the mind and buddhi the buddhi must be awakened and then we have the uh, rath which is the body and the rathi so according to the direction of the rathi the soul within the movement must takes place and that's how we have to make our choices because it's not an indiscriminate acceptance of anything and everything and indiscriminate giving the whole thing should be in uh, consultation with the soul so now here shobindu speaks about how to find the soul and how really i mean through the path of divine works and how really to be uh, to live a life according to that so shobindu gives us a very beautiful uh, of course is there in the gita and that is about the idea of sacrifice so sacrifice is normally considered as a self mortification the more pain you give to yourself if you become a martyr and you know take blows on yourself that is sacrifice now martyrdom is not sacrifice it can become a vicious and vicarious attraction for a perverse need for pain so many people think i sacrifice like the olden bahus sacrificing to their saas and like the modern bahus to which the saas has to sacrifice now <laughs> this is not sacrifice martyrdom is not sacrifice sacrifice in its original sense is yagya it is purification refinement everything must be purified and uplifted so for example love shobindu starts these two chapters ascent three chapters are there these sacrifice ascent of the sacrifice works of love and the works of knowledge and so what is what does it mean it means refine so he starts by saying that in all sacrifice he start by saying there has to be the element of love sacrifice is not something which is done very painfully that no no we have to take a forced vaccination that's not a sacrifice you are not doing a good deal for the country you are very unhappy inside it should be an act of love um so everything that is done is an act of love then even the smallest of things patram pushpam phalam toyam Uh, whatever a human being gives that becomes sacrifice not going to tirupati and taking your hair soap and then having a new hair style that now i don't have hair and this is the latest trending topic so that's not what is sacrifice sacrifice is not even that something which i love very deeply i am going to give to the divine it's not about giving in that sense it's not the sense of painful self mortification he says everything has to be ennobled uplifted but only one thing which we have to expel ruthlessly and he says it is only there that we have to be ruthless whatever pain they may give in the passing and he says they are the band of the spirits enemy whose names are uh, kama krodha lobha moha mad matsar whose names are fear and anger and lust and ambition they have to be uh, excised but otherwise the sense of sacrifice is a joyous self enhancement and he gives that example that Uh, you know sacrifice to krishna krishna is not a person who wants mortification he has to be nurtured and nourished and grown and then he gives number of examples for instance one example he gives is about love and any love he says any love all love which changes into adoration has a spiritual force in it doesn't matter whom one loves if there is in it a sense of adoration a deep sense of self giving then it is spiritually uplifting but because there are limitations within human interactions human limitations the ego etc come into play very sharply that's why eventually at some stage you have to see the divine in the person and divine in all beings that is the principle otherwise all love can be uplifted 
then in that purification of love further purification of love and works of love he describes that initially it has to be refined of the crude elements and then he says there is a natural tendency as the psychic being begins to emerge it wants only that which is true and good and beautiful because it's getting refined it cannot accept things which are crude and uh, you know baser elements and then it turns into love for the god lover so that's why people have a natural tendency to find those who are you know who have love for god and then it becomes further universalized and then one sees narayana everywhere so this is the process through which uh, works of love tend to transmute then there are works of knowledge for instance i can take an example of medicine so uh, how does one practice medicine in traditional karma yoga it is you remember god offer and like the ancient dictum of the doctors i give medicine god cures this is the traditional karma yoga and if we do it faithfully if our eye is only on being a channel of god through constant remembrance then everything will be wonderful still what is the medicine we are practicing we are still practicing the old medicine whereas the divine can have new revelations of new ways of healing so he says that uh, doing the works of a twilight ignorance whereas in the true karma yoga the, the integral karma yoga the same practice we are doing even the work how it is to be done even that must be guided by the divine and indeed it can be so there have been a few examples of um, uh, you know people who they have not used the word karma yoga but this is what is meant by yoga is skill in works yoga karma shukoslam it is not just about technique and technology the karma becomes kushal why because one is in yoga when one is in contact with the divine perfection everything will flow in a beautiful manner it's not like a technique ki okay i have to make a slide show let me see bullet points and everything is done dot because action is done in contact with the divine it is bound to move towards perfection so the the real thing is about doing the work well yes but dedication to the divine then again again and again he brings us to equanimity at three levels equanimity has to be practiced at the physical level it's about heat and cold is the ac to uh, <laughs> so uh, is the ac too cold is it too hot well we have to uh, just these are elementary exercises these are not really very difficult things oh suddenly there is no light you see within 2 minutes people are doing deep meditation and suddenly in ac room it's one thing to do meditation and suddenly if the ac goes off and everybody is sweating after some time you know mera meditation to ho gaya <laughs> this is not yoga this is bhoga <laughs> sit for meditation doesn't matter even if you know one should be in a state like yagnavalk uh i mean like ashtavakra and uh, king janak that even if my city is burning i am at the feet of my master so this concentration is the key to yoga shubindu repeatedly says he who seeks the eternal must dedicate himself to the eternal and the eternal alone secret of success in yoga is this concentration and concentration with a view on consecration remembrance there are aids to concentration so remember remember and offer the more we remember the divine constantly whether it be an image deity naam jap anything naam jap has a great power in it and to do works is a dedicated way to the divine then if it is hot all right 
Krishna, let's dance in the summer. Let's dance in the sunshine. And then when it is cold, then again Krishna, take me in your lap and cuddle me. Um, Ma, I want you to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> put the blanket of your love around me. It, these are just many things can be done. But one has to practice equanimity to different changes in the physical environment. There are some people, you know, who get so attached to the physical environment that uh, they take a great pride. You know, 50 years I have never gone out of an ashram. It doesn't matter. It may also show that you are very rigid. You can't, uh, you know, bear the... But yoga of divine works is through the world. One should be able to go anywhere and be in that state of equanimity. Because we build comfort zones. So this is how uh, equanimity at the physical level. Equanimity at the vital level. Man up man. Everybody will have his share. <laughs> and be sure that if you are getting praises, there will be a fair number of criticism. It's so true. So if you are not, not having badnami, I mean, Sri Krishna, imagine, even Sri Krishna people didn't, you know, leave him. As Shubhendra immortalizes in one of the aphorisms, they called him uh, immoral and a corrupter of youth and their morals. Look at Socrates. Shubhendra himself, people, you know, somebody filed a court case that he has... Uh, uh, you know, done some magic on my son so that he wants to be in the ashram. <laughs> so, you can imagine. Of course, divine magic. But this is how people have treated the divine because they don't understand. So, you, I mean, how the comment was after him. Even now, how many understand? Maan, apan. This is the wish that, you know, one has to swallow. And one swallows happily. Because what is maan, apan on the way to the divine? How does people's opinions matter? When one is walking the path, the only opinion that matters, only, 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 ten times, only with the underline, is the divine's opinion. And fortunately, he has no opinions. He, <laughs> he sees that truth and sets it right. He is not there with a stick and rod judging us. Oh, thou sinner, who will have hope if he says that? So, man, apman. Similarly, when praise comes, so it is not subtle smiling and, you know, collar, I have got, you know, I am Padma Bhushan or Vibhushan or whatever. Vibhushan and Vibhishan, this line is very thin. Huh? All this is to go away. What I am or I am not is known to the Lord. And what I want to become is to be just a child, a channel, an instrument. That's what the divine worker wants. Just to be your faithful instruments, yours faithfully. That's all that he wants. Whether you use it, the instrument or not. Whether you break it aside when the time is over, it's your instrument. Now, it's a very big uh, yoga that nobody else can use me. My speech, my writing, my thoughts, my feelings, nobody else has a right to use them. See how we these things are used and misused in the world. Even the bodily substance itself, vital energy. So, one should be very careful that this instrument has to be dedicated to the divine. So, Manapman, some time back, uh, I was given this offer that, you know, you speak very well. Would you become spokesperson of a party? I said, who would want to become spokesperson of a party after being spoke spokesperson of the divine mother? <laughs> so, this is basically that these things will come on the path of yoga. The lures will come, the challenges will come, difficulties will come, hell will come. Both hell and heaven, one has to go through equal. 
If hell comes, say that my Lord is here also. I want to meet him. They will say, but it is hell. Yes, yes, I know he is hiding somewhere around the corner. And if heaven comes, say that, okay, tada, bye-bye, good, thank you. But bina ram ke kaaj ke mohe kaan vishram. You know, when Hanuman is going to Lanka, that, uh, oh no, Sanjeevni Bhuti. Then the mountain comes up and says, Hanuman, please take some rest. He says, I'm, ah, it is Lanka. He is going to Lanka. And he says, I am going for the Lord's work. I don't want to rest. Then just to please the mountain, he just puts two fingers and then jumps over. Where is he going? To hell, to the kingdom of the devil. And yet he says, that's my destination, not heavens. So all this will come then. The third level of equanimity is at the level of the mind. So we have maan, apman, sukh, dukh, all the kinds of ideas, opinions, all this. Equanimity is the one practice that one has to keep on doing, keep on doing and it keeps on getting perfected, widened, details, every little. There is no end to it actually. Because um, where is the end to perfection? In human life. So this is the way one proceeds. Till one discovers the soul within. It's, it, it then spontaneously begins to guide us. And the master of works. The, where is the master? Master is hidden within us. And we have to discover him. And that discovery comes as we get detached from all this. Not detached through a ascetic detachment. Asceticism is not the way. It is tyaga, not sannyasa. So what really is Tyaga? Renounce the fruits of the action. Then let the action also develop from within spontaneously as an urge. It should not be done under any kind of outer pressure or you know because of uh, various circumstances, situations. Unless it is uh, you know at times uh, very rarely though if you are stranded in that situation but otherwise action should also come from within as an inspiration and a guidance and as we start doing this we become start becoming one with the master that's what we are meant for and that is a royal road to liberation on the path of divine works it leads us to the experience of the supreme sachidanand in dynamic activity shobindo uses the word self dynamizing meditation Everything becomes a prayer and a worship of the beloved. Not just when we are sitting in the uh, meditation room or arranging flowers. As much when we are interacting in everyday affairs of life, in cooking, in cleaning the floor, in fighting a battle. All works done by the body are prayers of the body. And that's how the whole yoga proceeds. So, I'll just read a passage and then we can have question answers. <clears throat> this is from the f- first part and also he says you have to re- we have to renounce all the inner supports of egoism so that means the ego seeks many kinds of you know props to continue its reign we have to abandon ourselves completely in the hands of god to live in god and not in the ego to move vastly founded, not in the little egoistic consciousness. What is the egoistic consciousness? I am doctor so and so. You know that. So if somebody says, are you really real doctor or Jola Chap doctor? <laughs> Does it matter? <laughs> there is only one healer. But people take offense. You know, they like to, this card. <laughs> So that is that should go. It it takes time. So this should be our only identity. 
but to the consciousness of the all soul and the transcendent to be perfectly equal in all happenings and to all beings it it will start like that then equality has two sides one is the passive where we are just receive the impacts of the world second is a dynamic equality where we have to act now we can't act indiscriminately dynamic equanimity is where we are guided by the divine presence within and then we act we don't lose the distinctions of what is uh, orange and what is uh, apple some people believe that okay equanimity means whatever you do it doesn't matter there can be nothing more dangerous than that so shubhendra uses the word dynamic equanimity where we seek the inner guidance and act according to that not even according to a mental principle but till we have found the guidance we can use a high ethical principle but only proviso that we have to discover the true guidance within which is in the heart and to see and feel them as one with oneself and one with the divine to feel in oneself and all in god to feel god in all oneself in all my rivals downfall is my own disgrace i look at my enemy and see krishna's face how often we get hurt because somebody has felt unhappy because of us and curses us abuses us hurts us we have to have compassion it's a practice a real practice that the person is struggling because of one's own nature it's not because somebody is bad or wanted to be bad and with that compassion we must approach the person and pour that love and uh, you know that working of the divine to act in god and not in the ego and here first not to choose action by reference to personal needs and standards mera kya fayda hoga non starter so the moment we start with this idea that how will i benefit when people would ask we want to do yoga uh, but tell me how is the super mind going to benefit me and the mother would say why do you want to get benefit this calculating mentality one should start because god is lovable how does it matter even if everything is gone so wonderful it is gone at the feet of god what is the use of preserving this small little perishable stuff called myself so this is the way one proceeds even if everything is gone let it go at the feet of god so this is the idea of yagna yagna is a truth of life everybody unconsciously does yagna the mother for the child the lady for the husband and you know so on and so forth somebody for an office in workplace and at the end some things come because everything ultimately goes to the divine and we receive our own share of joy and sorrow but it is an unconscious yagna when we do it to the divine what will we get people say oh i was doing this action dedicating every day i was praying to mother and you know doing this action saying it is mother but see how much i my money has gone away i have lost uh, even i am going through a phase when i have no prestige so so <laughs> so you have to say that mother is first taking away all the poison stuff because we are too full of ourselves so she is removing all that and then she will pour in because what is it that the divine worker gets it is not like i am doing god's work i should get money i should get this that it is a non starter again i am doing god's work so that i can get god or become one with him so what do we get when we become one with him delight that which we are seeking indirectly through all the relations and works and that to a small fraction mixed with much poison we get spontaneously within because we are serving the divine 
so the, it becomes oneness with god oneness with the divine this idea is so powerful that's yoga's essence is that that we can become one with the divine because in our core we are that so so how do we choose but in obedience to the dictates of the living highest truth above us next as soon as we are sufficiently founded in the spiritual consciousness not to act any longer by our separate will or movement one can see the dissonance one will see that there are two parts this is acting according to the old ego self and desired self change it that has to be changed but more and more to allow action to happen then we have the joy the enthusiasm the energy the inspiration everything and develop under the impulsion and guidance of a divine will that surpasses us and last the supreme result to be exalted into an identity in knowledge force consciousness act joy of existence with the divine shakti and then he says the true essence of sacrifice is not self immolation we have already spoken of it but so powerful it is self giving joyous self giving because whom are we giving to the only one worth giving we give to the world and we know what happens world is like a you know what is it called <laughs> bottomless well you put in it will absorb 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 at the end you say i have given you so much kya diya what have you given me ye dil mange more oh wahan se that abyss calls it it shouts you have given nothing see i am empty because that's the nature of the world and when you give to the divine what happens you give a grain and he gives a bag full of transmuted gold this is the difference one should not give with the idea of receiving <laughs> there is no more giving but business but spontaneously because that is the action of the divine he he wants to give but we have no room left for him so even if we create a little space he says that even if you doesn't matter what deity which none of this matters even a little space we create and he wants to put inside and open the door and enter and occupy the whole space this truth duryodhana knew paradoxically so when shri krishna says that give us pandavas only uh, five gaon he says i won't given give a space even worth suikinok needle why because he knows give him a needle and he will occupy the whole empire <laughs> but so beautiful if if the divine occupies all our life and existence what else is life meant for so it is not its object is not self effacement it's not that i will to from today mix you know uh, sorry but this is the only example comes naturally is karela and rasgulla and eat see how much economy i am living that is foolishness not to have any discrimination discernment to you know uh, that's not oh i'll from today i will wear only one set of one color cloth but all the time i am seeing oh that color looks very nice that looks very nice that is not equanimity that's not the practice of you know self giving that from today i'll eat only khichdi well if you love khichdi is okay or seda ka khana or whatever singhade ka puri i forgotten all that but self fulfillment so it is not self effacement but self fulfillment its object the method not self mortification but a greater life so self mortification is from today i'll have you know अपना पूरा हेयर स्टाइल सब 
everything I'll remove all the hairs. I'll wear only Girwa Vastra, take a jhola, use only a bicycle, that too very old one, and uh, carry a tiffin box and that's, you know, where I have surrendered myself. God cares to hoots for all these things. Go out with Arjuna on the battlefield with all the weapons, celestial weapons and fight for him for the great consummation in the world of his will. That is equally a divine action. So this idea of sannyas which has taken hold of human mind, self-mortification, somebody sleeping on the bed of nails is a great yogi. He is probably a great bhogi, so he needs this kind of treatment for himself. Because he is so attached to other things that only when he sleeps on bed of nails, he feels, I am you know, practicing yoga. A yogin doesn't need to do that. He can live in a palace if need be, but he can live in a hut if need be. He can sleep on floor if need be, but he can sleep on a dullab, you know, mattress if need be. He can walk with the kings if need be. And he can walk with a begging ball. Kabhi kasa liye khada dekha. So this is the process. Its essence is not self-mutilation, but a transformation of our natural human parts into divine members. Not self-torture, but a passage from a lesser satisfaction to a greater ananda. That's what sacrifice is about. When the more refined our consciousness becomes, the more subtle it becomes, the more greater delight we get in existence. It's like a crude person has to hear that jing, bang, very loud music with God knows how many volts and unless he hears like that or plays like that, he cannot feel happy. But somebody else, just some soft little nice music going on, Sunil, loud Sunil Das music. And there's such a joy, it's so quiet, so ethereal. It just floats in the air and you feel you are floating with it. So... There is only one thing painful in the beginning to a raw or turbid part of the surface nature. It is the indispensable discipline demanded, the denial necessary for the merging of the incomplete ego. Every time there is a push of the desire, say no. And then you see the joy, (laughs) fun. (laughs) What you are saying no will run after you. Because that's the law of the world. <laughs> Shuminda's poem, no karma. They who shall renounce, I will run after. They who seek after me will lose. And then at some point, you have to get freed from both. So accept and use it for the divine purposes. So this and many other beautiful mysteries, shortage of time. Otherwise, um, every work can be changed into a divine work by freedom from desire self this false soul of desire which keeps on asserting I want it I want it I want my way I want this way I want that way it should be I want what the divine wants let it be not my way but the divine way that is the highway towards perfection similarly renunciation of all this uh, you know too much attachment, attraction to the fruits, to the outer things. We should engage with all the things in the world. But our eye should be fixed upon the divine, whatever and wherever we may be. And finally, to act more and more under the impulsion of a growing divine consciousness within. And equanimity is a core practice, sacrifice in the sense of purification, offering, offering, 
giving to the divine presence these are the core practices of the karma yoga surrender is its crowning movement where ultimately we reach a point of complete self abandonment to the divine surrender is the crowning movement of karma yoga as the gita we know speaks of it we are completely separate from nature and we are constantly at the feet of the lord and nature has to go through its own process of transformation that is the secret of the divine works namaste um so many things we can't uh, speak because time is short but it's very wonderful but anyways the best way of knowing is to practice doing is to know it so let's start with just two three key practices remember and offer nishkam karma and equanimity these three practices of karma yoga if we can take it i'm sure all of us are doing it but just as a kind of uh, reminder to us remember and offer nishkam karma not to do works with an eye on the result and equanimity these three practices will take us very far into it and remember and offer to the divine within to the mother namaste so my yeah, namaste alokda namaste namaste uh, i have a question that people who are in creative fields like uh, maybe painting or writing poetry uh, when uh, there is a craving for uh, appreciation mm. and uh, when uh, they get that appreciation from people all of a sudden there is a hidden vanity which uh, comes out uh, so how to get rid of that that uh... yes so yeah that's one of the practices and as i said uh, it's through renunciation nishkam karma and uh, when we look at it purely from a understanding point of view this need for appreciation uh, frankly actually you know who can really appreciate what we can appreciate at the most is something very outer but all that has gone inside you know i'll tell you a little story which is factual and nowadays there is online thing going on but even without online classes i'm talking of children there is a homework and a child gets it done through the parents i mean it used to happen earlier also when parents would assist and there is another child who does it by himself and naturally there is a world of difference because when an adult participates and does the thing is very different and when a child does it by one's own effort it's very different now who gets the appreciation so therein we will see the answer that human appreciation is very very faulty it doesn't even have the acumen to appreciate so appreciation is okay but if one gets an appreciation from somebody who really is deep into uh, the inner life or who has some vision of truth it makes a difference but otherwise generally seeking for appreciation one has to look at it that well where am i seeking you know it's like uh, somebody who doesn't have a taste for food and uh, one wants to know ki uh, how tasty is the food i have cooked uh, and i i am reminded of a story when a, a man got just married and you know he was he went for a grand feast which was given by uh, the in-laws and this man had no not much taste hardly any taste for food and his wife uh, nudged him that you know you must appreciate something you must appreciate something so uh, so many 50 dishes what to appreciate so he ended up saying the rice is very well 
cooked. Now the rice was the most insignificant thing in the whole thing. It doesn't require effort. So the wife tells the man that, but you know, rice doesn't require any effort. He says, I don't know because this is the only thing, uh, you know, the man said, I found tasty, but everything else is okay. So, you know, taste, human appreciation actually has very little meaning. Once we get it to our head and then when we do the act as a service, seva, so it is a change, it takes time. I don't deny it takes time. But that's the path of the yoga, where every time the need comes, say, uh, there is a thought within that, oh, I have not been appreciated for my actions, where you feel not only not appreciated, let me take one step further, I've been criticized for something which I have done, which I believe in and believe it to be right. What should we do? Instead of feeling morose, instead of feeling sad and bad about it, offer it to the divine and seek his feeling in the heart. And then we will see, he will communicate to us. And what he will communicate invariably, he will say, I bless your work. I bless your choice. I am with you. And that's what one should seek. With practice, it becomes very easy. But in the beginning, it has to be done. The sadness one has to offer, that feeling one has to offer, that need one has to offer. And then leave it in the divine's hands. Offering means by its nature that I leave it to the divine now. And how to get rid of that uh, uh, hidden vanity which comes out? Vanity, vanity. Yes, yes, yes. So the most, by, by knowing, knowing that, that vanity, vanity is one of the biggest <laughs> dangers in life and, you know, on the path. It's like, because we are, you know, when we grow up, we are brought up in such a way that we think these are desirable things. But that's where the teaching of yoga comes to remind us that this is not only not desirable, these are dangerous things. Because see what happens with vanity. Vanity stops our progress. Or it takes us into different direction where I do things to get appreciation. Whereas humility opens the doors to progress. So uh, the moment we turn to the divine, we realize that the scope of progress is infinite. But the moment vanity comes, it stops us from progressing. Once we understand the nature of vanity, that well... I will stop my own progress when I am satisfied with myself or with the praises I get. Now, do I want to stop my progress or I want to seek further and further? So then we will get rid of it. Yes. Thank you so much, Alumda. Have a wonderful talk. So uh, one thing I want to mention is that, uh, you know, there have been some questions which I think uh, Praveen has sent and I am sure there may be others. So please send the questions and what I am planning, I couldn't write them yesterday. Uh, I don't know over the next three, four days, I'll write the answers and whatever questions are there. I promise to write uh, the answer to all of them. Um, in a crisp and essential manner, then it can be circulated to everyone. So we are all on email. So a common pool of questions can be there. And it will be wonderful to just circulate. So that idea was very good that, you know, it could be circulated. But I don't want to write it in a hurry. I mean, I can write in a hurry, but time has to be there. Some time I need to have to write. And I'll do that very happily. And then it can be just circulated. So any amount of question, any number of questions, please feel free to send. Yes. Hello, dear friends yes. from the distant South America, not the distance. And uh, we have to break congratulations for your good words to us. I will send my ex to you for email. 
Thank you. Gratitude, gratitude. Thank you. Aloka Shilpa here from London. Uh, yes. Namaskar. Uh, I'll be listening to you while I'm <laughs> at the yeah. office, but uh, I feel pleasure. I'm going to ask a very basic, almost crude, uh, uh, which seems to, to need exercise of the will in food, because one realizes how stupid it is quite often to give, give in to the uh, palate and to give in to, you know, sometimes if you're not doing anything, you just almost grab some, something to eat, especially if you're feeling stressed, you know, or, or something like that. To exercise the willpower is this again? So how to... And also just offering because you are too weak <laughs> to even exercise that willpower on oneself. Like, yes, yes. I want certainly. to do it because I realize, realize it's completely yeah, stupid. Yeah, so... So it has to develop as we develop muscles. See, sometimes what happens, we make uh, sudden, want to take sudden flights and leaps. It doesn't work. Only Hanuman can leap in one leap all the way to Lanka and come back. So we have to take small steps. Say, for example, I want to master my greed for food. So if I say from tomorrow, I am going to only eat this kind of food, it doesn't work. Or if it works, it will dry the senses. So instead of doing, one says that, okay, I'll eat my favorite dish, but I will not go overboard. You know, the French way of eating things, very little amount, but relish it. Uh, then one goes on to, okay, at one time, I don't want to, you know, uh, eat all the good dishes and... Uh, one day I will keep a fast. People do all kinds of things. So it has to be done step by step to eat as much as I really feel hungry and not to satisfy my greed. So this way slowly when we exercise the will or for that matter for anything, sitting for meditation, let me put it like that also requires a will. That one wants to sit for meditation and one says, oh, I can't, I, I am helpless. No, we start with, okay, every day at a particular time, I'll sit for 10 minutes. Doesn't matter. We cannot meditate. Doesn't matter. Our thoughts are running here and there. Doesn't matter. But to say that, okay, every day I fix a time and I sit. And then after some time, the next step that look, you know, now I, anyways, I've decided to sit. So let me just try something like focusing on the breath. Or just calling the divine name. So it has to come step by step. And that applies to every action of the will. Now this is one part in ordinary life. How to develop will. Like any muscle. You know it's like weights. We, we go gradually. But in divine works. Something else gets added to it. And that is when we offer our will to the Lord. We are sitting for meditation. Not as a technique or a process that I have to do. I offer the meditation to the divine. Say, look here, I don't know how to meditate, but I want to do meditation. Help me. I am offering my meditation to you. Now, when we do it, now slowly that little will in us gets infinitely augmented by the touch of the divine mother. Naturally, there will be a time. It, it won't be that today I prayed and it didn't work. So, because there is the sacrifice which we do and there is an acceptance of the sacrifice. So, there is a process. But a time comes when it is no more our will, but a will which is becomes an instrument of the divine will. So, we have to do our effort, however little it may be, it doesn't matter. But we have to offer this work 
or this action of the will to the divine. And then first we see that we have much greater strength and knowledge and whatever is needed for the work. And later on, we the, the work itself is inspired by the divine will within us. So we have to offer the will to the divine. That is the way of Karma Yoga. But equally we can develop it with small, small steps and stages because they are all part of the integral movement towards the divine. As I said with food, that okay, one has to watch that I am not eating beyond a point. So this can be a starting point. Sitting for meditation, okay, this time I will sit. Regularity and punctuality, simple exercise of the will. That I'll be regular in something which I am doing and I'll be punctual. This one exercise of the will, regularity and punctuality can go a long way in just training our will. So it has to be trained like every other part. Mind has to be trained, feelings have to be trained. That is the discipline required for a yogic life. Even in ordinary life, it's required. Can I? Yes, please. Namaste, Udpala here. Ah, yeah. Oh, namaste, namaste. Namaste. I'm very happy uh, to hear your talks for last two uh, two days. Um, just a just a thought that you know. Uh, we try to remember mothers and Sri Aurobindo's guidance and teachings when in our daily life. And when I observe, I or when somebody observes, you know, uh, that's the uh, the circumstances which were bothering me in the past. Now they are not bothering me that much. But then I, I when I introspect, I ask this question to myself: Is it not? I hope it is not inertia or insensitivity insensitivity and it is a detachment. For example, corona cases are going on, people are dying, people have died and I am just giving a crude example. Uh, exactly, it is not so, but I am just giving a symbolic thinking. And then I feel that, you know, why am I thinking that is some, it is probably it's a God's way of, uh, you know, reinventing a new creation. Why am I not feeling that pain and I'm, I'm, why am, am I not empathetic? So then I feel that I hope it is not my inertia or insensitivity. And yes, yes. So uh, I, I'm, we, I'm in the same boat, you know, with regard to Corona and everything else. <laughs> so now the thing is that obviously with yoga, which you are practicing, I am aware of it also and uh, from so many years and my pranams. So, but the thing is that when we have walked the path long, the change of consciousness happens. So our in-view and outlook towards life is bound to change. We uh, will no more see things the way, you know, generally people see. Now, this is one part of it. So, you know, there are things, people get over hyper, they overreact or even they normally react. Now, all this subsides because there is a deep equanimity. There is a state of quietude, which many people may think, oh, the person is not reacting the way one should react. Not realizing that when we react uh, much less, we act much better. So, you know, this is the shift that takes place. And uh, to an ordinary consciousness, it may look like, you know, uh, as you said, inertia or a numbness or, you know, a kind of indifference. But it's not that. It is within us, within the person who is undergoing the change, that one knows that, no, it is not because uh, one is less kind or one is, you know, uh, indifferent but because one is looking at things with a deeper vision and so naturally one is beginning to go beyond the sphere of uh, happiness and suffering beyond the usual good and bad dualities 
and one has to accept this new change obviously if we look at the world around people won't understand and sometime because we are surrounded by people it may give us an impression that am i doing something am i not able to understand things but then well if we look deep within we will realize that no uh this is a change which is coming it's not inertia or indifference but a different consciousness which is beginning to operate within us so it is bound to happen accept it as a prasad of the lord and move on with that yes inertia will invariably lead to a state of tiredness depression uh, inertia is a package you know it's a package deal so it leads to a state of and, uh, I mean, it's not an exact word but i feel that uh, the test comes when uh, something else happens uh, which is uh, in in a, in a, in our own life or there is a real stress which we call it uh, yeah. when i feel stressed and if uh, my first reaction is uh, it is a stressful situation and then i can keep equanimity that means uh, it was equanimity yes so for a long time the old and the new will go together and as i was saying there is no end to the practice equanimity itself there are many areas weak spots which we don't know and suddenly that part is touched so this is how the yoga proceeds there is a kind of initially a kind of deep equanimity for example let's take insults now there are people who insult and it may be one can even laugh it off but there is somebody whom one may deeply love one's own child and when the child insults now it takes a little longer as somebody which one deeply loves and from that person you know a, a kind of uh, you know uh, whatever comes and it may be more difficult so it takes time it spreads into all the details of life so that is just a question of time and one should allow it to spread more and more in different parts the process will be the same to remember and offer and one is disturbed to offer that disturbance to the lord and then the equanimity begins to take over for a long time the two consciousnesses go together it's a gradual yeah change thank you alokta namaste namaste i have a query yes please ha uh, is it not inertia if when we know that uh, it is because of wrong medication wrong procedure people are dying and it is due to uh, the um, wrong strategy adopted by the government okay so that's a different domain altogether that's like when another kind of knowledge awakens within the person consciousness huh. uh, knows ki it's a it's a wrong procedure and if we are not um, feeling that much pain then it's an inertia na no no it's not inertia there i'll give you an example for, uh, you know for instance whatever is going on now so there are people who have a view about vaccination there are other people who have a different view and uh, there is a very deep uh, spiritual perspective about it but then we are not the ones who decide the policy so we have to understand that uh, everything you know we all have a field of action now within the field of action if we don't do what we believe to be true then yes there is an inertia or there are, there can be 100 reasons that well if i don't believe in allopathic medicine and uh, i still take it because of you know fear or something then it's one kind of insincerity or let us say that you know i i don't believe in allopathic medicine and i don't take it now this is a uh, there is a clarity on this aspect but if i don't believe in uh, allopathic medicine and somebody else takes it 
or there is the pharma companies who promote it now i'm not saying whether it's good or bad but that's where we don't have a uh, you know say in it so it's not inertia if we don't do anything about it now that's where we have to understand that's a cosmic problem because if we go behind it there'll be greed there is a misunderstanding lot of people are doing out of goodwill but an ignorant goodwill so it, that plays too complex for us as an individual to handle but inertia or uh, wrong and right will be in reference to my actions so with re- reference to my action if i believe in something my action should follow that that's what is the basic principle of uh, sincerity in any work if i believe in something i should act according to that including that if i believe in taking uh, vaccination i should take it because that's my real belief but if i don't believe i shouldn't take it but i can't uh, you know dictate the government or others or stop others from taking or not taking that will be unfair because each one has their right to choices through that they will grow even the people on the government level they have their own understanding their own consciousness why they are doing what they are doing it could be 100 things it could be ambition it could be political gimmick it could be a genuine feeling that this is going to help humanity 100 things could be there so whatever reason they are doing it their evolution is taking place according to that but within me i have a right to choose and i must choose if i don't make the right choice then yes there is an inertia 100% I think we can call it a day. Yeah. Thank you.